Welcome to Beyond the Wall, Más Allá del Muro, a bilingual podcast where we dive into muralism and public art, getting to know it on a deeper level as we learn about the people, process, and philosophy behind the work. I'm your host, Shannon McAvoy, recording from Santiago, Chile. I am so excited to be back here for another episode today. We're going to do something a little different. So I got really inspired from the last episode that we had where I interviewed Gustavo Lira. He is my mural mentor. And on the episode, we talked a little bit about some of the times where we worked together and it really was like going back to the beginning and some and some of those uh, moments for me. And definitely you should go and check out Gustavo's episode because there are a lot of pieces of wisdom and entertainment in that episode. For sure, go check it out. It is in Spanish. And also, if you are learning Spanish, I hope that soon we will be able to get transcripts of these podcasts available if that could be helpful for you. And on that note, if you would like to volunteer your time to transcribe some of the episodes we have already recorded, definitely let me know. Send me an email. Our email is beyondthewall.masayadalmuro at gmail.com. And also you can send me an Instagram direct message or we also have a Facebook group and a Facebook fan page. I'll put the links to all of those places in the show notes so you can know where to find them. Anyway, the interview with Gustavo was amazing and we're definitely going to have more with him. And what I was saying was that it was really inspiring for me and just reminded me of something that I've been wanting to share with you guys for a while, but wasn't sure exactly when to do so. I've been wanting to share this, what I'm going to share with you today is is part of my thesis that I wrote in 2012 when I was just starting to get into muralism. And I did this honors thesis called Latino Latin American Muralism and Social Change, a Reflection on the Social Significance of the Cold Spring Mural. This was a mural that I organized in the city of Cold Spring, Minnesota, in collaboration with a nonprofit organization. Yes, it's 2012. It was 10 years ago. And I have, I have changed a lot since then. I've evolved. Muralism and street art has evolved a lot since 2012, definitely. And so, well, I wanted to share it with you and also comment on it as my 2022 self. And it's because some things I definitely think are totally still valid and really good ideas. And some... I'm not so sure how I feel about them anymore. And the ideas in my thesis really feed this discussion that we've been having about muralism, about how murals can lead to positive social change. So we're going to get to listen to me read my thesis from 2012 and also my commentary from 2022. So I'll pause every now and then. I'll let you know that it's the Shannon from 2022 talking, and I'll give you my thoughts on what I wrote. And I think this will be really interesting. Definitely, I would love to continue the conversation on Instagram, on Facebook, via email, if you would like 
you're totally welcome to join the conversation with me. Also, I have noticed that my microphone, I don't know, there's some static that I is really hard for me to remove. I think I might need a new cable for my microphone. Not exactly sure. I'm working on it. I hope uh, that it's not uh, bothersome for you. I'm sorry if it is. Thank you for being here and listening anyway. And on that note, don't forget you can check out my Patreon page because if you would like to support this podcast, you can support me financially there on Patreon and that will help me do things like eventually buy a new microphone and new and better microphone and I would really love to do that and I need your help to be able to accomplish that. So thank you in advance for your support on my Patreon for this podcast. I'll put a link to that in the show notes too. And I'm going to start reading my thesis in a moment here, but before I do that, I just want to let you know that there is, speaking of transcripts, there is actually, my written thesis is available online for free for anyone who is interested. I'll put a link in the show notes to where you can find it, so you could even follow along with me as I read it. So, here we go. I'm going to start reading now. Okay. So the original quote here, I have to start off my thesis, is El arte en sí es una realidad social. Y si no quiere traicionar su función social, el arte debe mostrar el mundo como transformable y ayudar a cambiarlo. That quote is by Ernst Fischer. And translation of that quote will be Art in itself is a social reality, and if it doesn't want to betray its social function, art should portray the world as transformable and help to change it. That's my translation there. So, here we go. Modern muralism is strongly linked to Latino and Latin American culture. When many people think of murals, they first imagine Diego Rivera and the Mexican mural renaissance in the 1920s to the 1940s. This mural renaissance, the Mexican school, came about in response to the social upheaval and reforms of the Mexican Revolution from 1910 to 1920. Although it is widely believed that Diego Rivera's murals had provocative social and political ramifications during this time of Mexican Reconstruction, in reality, many fell short from furthering the social change they supposedly promoted. Nevertheless, the Mexican school has been a source of inspiration for several other mural movements in the Americas during the 20th century. These movements include a a wide variety of murals, from the government commissioned to the anti-establishment, from the monumental to the ephemeral, from the individual artist to the collaborative team. The type of mural created develops out of a specific social context, which is in turn altered by the mural itself. The effectiveness of a mural in promoting social change depends on how well the process of making it harmonizes with its social context. So this is 2022, Shannon, and I'm thinking about the part when I wrote that when many people think of murals, they first imagine Diego de Vera and the Mexican mural renaissance. I really don't think that that's the case anymore. That's not that's not my sense anyway of of what people first imagine when they think of a mural. 
I don't really know when I think of a mural anyway that's definitely not the first thing I think of anymore by any means what do you guys think of when you what, what's the first thing you think of when you think of a mural do you think of something more like street art that's kind of my sense of right now what people think of when they think of murals more more in street art like graffiti style murals by that I mean murals painted with spray paint murals that have a really strong illustrative style very and sometimes almost photographic realism what do you guys think what's the first thing that comes to your mind when someone says the word mural okay going back to 2012 the inspiration for this project came from my study abroad experience in chile in 2010 my love for Chile's murals led me to develop a semester-long research project on protest art during the Pinochet dictatorship, which familiarized me with Chilean art action collectives and brigade-style muralism. Besides its social urgency, what also interested me about the Chilean protest art I studied was its collaborative nature. Soon after I arrived back home to Minnesota in January of 2011, I began to plan how I could bring my experience of Chile's public art to the States. In the spring and summer of that year, I organized a collaborative community mural in Cold Spring, Minnesota, in partnership with Mayuli Bales, director of Casa Guadalupe Multicultural Community, an organization that serves Latinos in the Cold Spring area. Because the vast majority of the Latino population in Cold Spring is of Mexican heritage, 77% according to the U.S. Census Bureau, I was motivated to learn more about the great tradition of Mexican muralism. It made sense for me to study Chicano muralism in the United States as well, as the Cold Spring mural in Minnesota would take place in a similar cultural context. The rich artistic history of the prestigious Mexican school and the process behind Chicano community murals both provide points of contrast in comparison to the Chilean-style brigade murals. As part of my research, I also met with Mexican-born Minneapolis-based muralist Gustavo Lira, who has given me yet another more local perspective with his experience organizing community murals in Minnesota. Okay, this is 2022 Shannon again. You see, I just mentioned Gustavo Lira, and as I was saying, that's why... I thought it could be a great spot to incorporate this episode right after his episode that we had last week. So, okay, let's keep listening. Going back to 2012. This paper is not meant to be a comprehensive study of muralism in the Americas. Rather, it takes a look at different types of murals and mural practice and analyzes their effectiveness in instigating positive social change in their respective social contexts. My research for this paper comes from readings, personal interviews, and first-hand experience. It informed the process I took in organizing the Cold Spring Mural and, as I reflect on that process now, has also given me insights for critically analyzing the social appropriateness of the style of muralism I employed in the context of Cold Spring. The societal effects of muralism depend on the mural's aesthetic and process, which in turn are motivated by the original social context. Thus, certain mural styles are more effective for certain social contexts. Despite variations in social context, murals are generally most socially effective when they increase community members' sense of efficacy by involving them in the process of design brainstorming and painting. To create sustainable change, 
a mural must be part of a larger social movement that continues after painting has been finished. 2022 Shannon here. Okay, that last paragraph is a little wordy, and basically what I mean to say there is, according to what I what I discovered in my research in 2011 and 2012, that I found that murals that really involved the community in the brainstorming and painting process empowered those people that participated and that way they created sustainable change in the community because these empowered citizens would go and do things that would promote more positive social change and it would continue to grow from there. And this is actually a point for me that uh, I think theoretically it's correct but in practice it's really hard to control or measure. For a long time, I think part of me had in my mind that the quote-unquote best type of mural was a collaborative community mural. The experiences that I've had organizing community murals have been really beautiful. And at the same time, they're an intense amount of work. I have to confess that I've become a little disenchanted with the idea of collaborative community murals. I hope that someday I'll become more inspired and motivated to do them again, and when I do, there are a lot of things that I would do very differently. And I'll tell you more why in upcoming episodes. This topic is really the backbone of my thesis, actually, so it's definitely going to come up again. Okay, well that's enough of my little rant there <laughs> from 2022. Let's go back to 2012. Defining social change. The term social change is very ambiguous and difficult to define. Nevertheless, several sociologists throughout the years have attempted to do so. One such sociologist is Everett M. Rogers, who in 1971 defined social change as, quote, the process by which alteration occurs in the structure and function of a social system, unquote. According to Rogers, Social change takes place through human communication, which spreads new ideas. Ideally, these new ideas will inspire behavioral changes in those that receive them. These behavioral changes, when they take place in a social system, are what cause social change to occur. The communication necessary to bring about social change is brought about through the organizing of social movements. Sociologist Alberto Maluti defines a social movement as an action that is comprised of, quote, group solidarity, definition of a conflict, and a breach of compatibility of the system within which the action takes place, unquote. The term group solidarity is defined by collective identity among members of a movement. Recently, identity has become more and more recognized as a motivating factor for the creation of new social movements, a phenomenon first described by sociologists in the 1970s. Collective identity is best formed through the process of dialogic communication, a concept influenced by symbolic interactionist theory. Meaning is created through interactions with other human beings. Dialogic communication, as opposed to top-down communication, involves a mutually transformative exchange of views so that meaning 
in this case, a collective identity, is created organically instead of dictatorially. Okay, 2022 Shannon here. Oh my gosh. Yes, this is a section where I get very nerdy and I use a lot of big words to describe something that's very abstract. Okay, so basically, social change is made by social movements. And to have a social movement, you need a group that is in solidarity with each other or they they share something in common. In this case, identity uh, is something that is a really important factor for the formation of a, of a group. Definitely, since 2012, identity has continued to be a very important factor in the creation of social movements, for sure, uh, like the Black Lives Matter movement, for example. And when I talk about dialogic communication, basically, I mean conversations, <laughs> conversations. So collective identity, that happens through conversations, It's a back-and-forth communication. Conversation fosters the creation of a collective identity and also the solidarity or togetherness of a group, which helps to create a social movement, which helps to create social change. Going back to 2012. Over the course of Latino and Latin American history in the 20th and 21st centuries, murals have been an instrumental part of social movements. Mural production has helped to build group solidarity, to define social conflicts, and to rebel against the current social system. It must also be acknowledged that social movements and the change for which they advocate can be positive or negative. For example, Hitler created the social movement known as the Nazis, which used mural propaganda to create very destructive social changes. For the purposes of this paper, I am interested in how murals contribute to positive social change or social progress. Sociologist Alan Turain gives several examples of positive, quote, new social movements, unquote, that have occurred globally since 1975. Youth protest, the women's movement, the ecological campaign, the peace movement, and the defense of ethnic, national, or religious identity. Similarly, social movements in Latin America have fought for cultural and political autonomy, grassroots democracy, and a push towards economic equality, racial and cultural integration, and women's empowerment. Latin America has had a long history of struggle to wrest its cultural and political autonomy from the United States. In 1822, United States President Monroe declare that the Americas were, quote, henceforth not to be considered as subjects for future colonization by any European powers. It is impossible that the Allied powers should extend their political system to any portion of the continent without endangering our peace and happiness, unquote. This Monroe Doctrine was to protect U.S. financial interests as many U.S. companies had invested large amounts of money in Latin America's banana republics. When the United States felt economically threatened, it engaged military intervention. One such military intervention, the Spanish-American War, ended with the Treaty of Paris in 1898 that gave the United States direct control of Cuba, Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Philippines. The war's end brought even more U.S. companies to Latin America. By 1899, 
the United Fruit Company was formed, becoming the quintessential example of U.S. imperialism. In the case of Chile, the ITT, International Telephone and Telegraph Corporation, founded in 1920, another U.S. multinational company, also became a powerful imperialist influence. U.S. multinational companies' economic concerns have also led to other covert interventions in Latin American politics during the 20th century, which have supported several of the region's severely repressive dictatorships. Latin Americans fought to liberate themselves from these regimes and establish democracy. During times of democracy, Latin American countries have striven to maintain their own cultural autonomy in light of the bombardment of references to U.S. mass media and commercial advertising. Okay, it's 2022 here, uh, and I just thought that last sentence was really interesting at this point because living in Chile now in 2022 and having lived here off and on over the period of almost 12 years now and really consistently for the last uh, three years, I really am seeing, especially with social media, I feel like we're getting closer to a, a global culture, which is cool in a way, weird in another way. But I feel like Chile at least seems to be trying to copy the United States in a lot of ways instead of trying to be different and have their own cultural autonomy. Um, so I don't know. I would love to know other people's thoughts on that, especially native Chileans. It would be really interesting. So uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Okay, back to 2012. United States imperialism has not been the only obstacle to social progress in Latin America. Marginalized groups have also struggled for cultural and political autonomy from their own country's cultural and political domination. Similarly, Latinos in the U.S. have also struggled to protect their cultural and political autonomy from being extinguished. In times of relative peace, Latinos and Latin Americans' struggle for a more complete democracy has been more fully developed through their fight for economic equality, racial and cultural integration, and women's empowerment in their respective societies. Murals have played an integral role in these fights for social justice. Okay, here I'm from 2022 again. I just thought I, I would be remiss if I did not mention Chile's riots that happened in October, starting October 18th, 2019, which I actually happened to be here just moved to downtown uh, Santiago, which is where they started. And there has been a lot of street art associated with this movement, which primarily is pushing for economic equality. So this is an example of a social movement in Latin America and how street art has been a part of promoting it. Well, that's it for the first episode discussing my thesis. I hope you liked it. It's a little nerdy, I know, at times, but I hope that you enjoyed it anyway. And I really enjoyed thinking about it, and I hope that it will continue to, like I said, feed our discussion that we have going on about murals. 
This podcast experience has been so lovely. It's been great to reconnect with my artist friends from over the years and also starting to connect with artists that I hadn't known about and who are interested in being on the podcast. That's really cool too. And I've been receiving some really wonderful feedback from uh, private messages from listeners that tell me how much that this podcast means to them and that it's really entertaining and fun and interesting and, and educational. Thank you for your feedback. I'm so glad that this podcast is meaning something to you that really, really motivates me to keep on going. And thank you so much. I'm really happy that you find value in it. And on that note, if you're listening right now to this episode and you feel like you got a lot of value from it, please share it with a friend. That's how we get the word out and get value to more people. Stay tuned for the next part of this little series within the podcast relating to my thesis. It'll probably be at least a few weeks before we see the next one of these, but every once in a while I'll include one of these episodes. So looking forward to the next one, where we'll start by defining a mural. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Beyond the Wall, Más Allá del Muro. We love that you're here. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the show, you can follow us on Instagram at beyondthewall.muralpodcast. More ways you can spread the love are by sharing this episode with a friend and by leaving a review. Finally, you can support us at my Patreon page for exclusive benefits related to the podcast. Find me at patreon.com forward slash Shannon McAvoy. Have a great day and see you next time. Thank you.